Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our Grassroots Government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, episode number 33 for June 24th of 2019. I'm your host, Carrie Martin. We have a packed podcast for you this week because our podcast is originating from the 97th annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans. Any and every one in Louisiana agriculture is here at the New Orleans Marriott on Canal Street for the state's largest annual farm gathering. As always, there's a lot of news coming out of the Farm Bureau Convention here in New Orleans every summer, and this year is no exception. So we'll bring a lot of that to you in a very long news headline segment. First, we'll hear from Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards. He was the keynote speaker at the general session on Friday afternoon. He made a big announcement about rural bridge funding here in Louisiana. So we'll bring that to you straight from the governor. Water, of course, is a big issue here at the Farm Bureau Convention. Farmers have been fighting it all year long. We caught up with a guy who knows a lot about it, Reynold Minsky. He's president of the 5th Levy District Board, and he's been a very busy fellow this year dealing with the Mississippi River and all the challenges that it has presented. In grassroots government, we'll check in with State Senator Brett Allon. Brett, of course, is a member of the legislature as well as being a Louisiana sugarcane farmer. So we'll get his take on what just happened in the recent legislative session as well as how are things going back on his sugarcane farm. We'll go in the field to check in with Ben Guthrie. We caught up with him here at the Farm Bureau Convention. Ben is a cotton, soybean, and corn farmer in Tensaw Parish. Then we'll check in with our regular market analyst, Greg Fox, was here at the convention. And then we got on the phone with Dave Foster for a look at the cattle markets. And we'll wrap up our podcast with a brand new segment. We're going to hear from a longtime farm broadcaster, Jack Dillard. I grew up listening to Jack Dillard on KWKH Radio in Shreveport. Jack has been on the radio and has written a column in the Shreveport Times newspaper for over 50 years. So he's an old friend of mine, and Jack's going to check in with a new regular feature to wrap up this podcast. Well, let's get started. We've got a great one for you. It's a lot of ground to cover, live from the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation's 97th Annual Convention here in New Orleans. And it all kicks off right now. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. In Farm News Headlines, Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards was the keynote speaker here at the 97th Annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention. I personally believe there's no better state uh, than Louisiana to highlight the important contributions of Americans farmers. Edwards told the farmers and ranchers in New Orleans that he values their contribution to Louisiana's economy. Uh, our agricultural industry, the economic values exceeds 11 billion dollars. Um, and so to say that ag and forestry is the backbone of Louisiana's economy is an absolute understatement. It doesn't do justice to the contributions that you all make. Uh, Louisiana's fertile soil, coupled with our vast system of waterways and ports, have obviously made the state one of the nation's most important and unique agricultural assets. During his term as governor, Edwards has made several farm tours in conjunction with Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry, Dr. Mike Strain. He says those were listening tours, and he heard one thing loud and clear. Louisiana's roads and bridges need help. So he used this opportunity here at the Farm Bureau Convention to make a big announcement about funding for rural bridge repairs. Ronnie mentioned an ag tour that I made uh, with Commissioner Strain. Uh, It was a great opportunity for me 
uh, to travel all over the state, every part of our state and every sector of ag and forestry. Uh, we were able to go out and meet and there were, there were some common themes out there. Um, one of them had to do uh, with rural farm to market bridges. Too many of them being closed too frequently, uh, too many of them being posted and so forth. Uh, and I got with Sean Wilson and we started working on that and, and based on some money that we identified in addition to what is available through Senate Bill 138, uh, I can commit to you all that over the next three years, the state of Louisiana will invest $90 million more than the normal program on rural farm-to-market bridges. So we heard what you said. It wasn't just going out, and, and this was the one point that Mike and I made everywhere we went. We weren't there to talk. We were there to listen. And that was one thing that we heard everywhere uh, that we went. So I'm excited about that opportunity. In addition, uh, that's part of a $700 million injection of new transportation infrastructure funding uh, that, that was contained in Senate Bill 138 that is going to be brought to bear over the next couple of years. Again, that's in addition to our normal transportation program. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards, who of course is running for re-election this fall. In other farm news, water is a big issue in Louisiana this year. The rivers continue to be swollen and full, and we caught up with a guy who can tell us all about it. Reynolds Minsky is president of the 5th Levy Board District here in Louisiana. That runs all the way from East Carroll Parish in the very northeast corner of the state, all the way down to the natchez Ferity area. We asked Reynolds about what he's been up to lately dealing with all of this water. Well, I was just elected chair of the Mississippi Valley Flood Control Association, and I've been president of the Fifth Louisiana Levy District for since '95. I've got my work cut out. I've had my work cut out for me this year. Well, this has been a year to challenge you. That is for sure. Tell me how things have looked along that river since all this water started coming down on us. Uh, in the full parish area that I represent, which is uh, uh, East Carroll, Madison, Tinsaw, and Concordia, I don't believe that our levees could be in any better shape. Now, we've got five, six, seven, seventeen projects that we're getting ready to work on this next summer for the next three years. And once we get all of those projects done, we will have our levees up to a 500-year flood protection with the exception of the 15 miles between uh, Faraday and Vidalia. We're going to have a problem finding land there, but we will get it. What kind of problems have you been seeing with seep water? I've heard that it can be bad in some places. Tell me uh, about how it's looking in your area. It's horrible. I'd say East Carroll Parish alone uh, probably in a neighborhood of 20,000, 30,000 acres won't be planted. Uh, we've got 10,000 acres in Munch's Bend that is underwater, all with the exception of 100 acres. And we've got uh, probably 90% of all the frontline uh, land that's next to the levee all the way down to Madison. Well, actually, all the way down to Voles Parish. Uh, all of that land and all four parishes, anything next to the levee is not going to get planted. The uh, seep water is just atrocious. It's, it's a mile from the levee. What other problems have cropped up with all this water? Are your levees uh, holding well? Have you had to go in and do any work just to, to make sure that the integrity of the levee holds? Really care, no. We, we have really, uh, we've been very fortunate and blessed. When the Corps in 1995, when all this uh, actually, in 2011, since then, the Corps has put in all of these relief wells on all of our uh, major problem areas. And in 2011, our levy board alone put out 715,000 sandbags. And since then, I'll bet you that we've only, we haven't probably put out over 5,000 sandbags total in all the years past 2011, which has been eight years. So this year alone... Had we been in the same, and we are in the same predicament that we were in in May of 2011, and we haven't put out probably over 2,000 sandbags totals. Sounds like that a lot of good preparation was done ahead of time uh, to prevent this from being a real disaster that it could have been. Well, you can bet that our levee system people 
uh, that work for us are uh, actually on the ball, and they've done a great job, and I want to commend them all. Uh, we have not had any problems whatsoever prop up, and not saying that there won't be any, but for today we don't have any prop- problems at all on our levy system. What does the future look like uh, heading into this summer and fall? What are we projecting the river levels to be? When are we expecting this thing to finally calm down? Uh, I would, just from what I'm seeing and what the Corps is telling me and what National Weather Service is telling me, I would think that we could probably be above flood stage until the middle of July, and then we may have a slight fall or a, you know, I don't. It could be a rapid fall. I don't know. That that's too far in the future for me to, for them to even say they they don't know. They think that we're going to have a slow fall though through the summer. Reynold Minsky, he is president of the Fifth Louisiana Levy District. Another agency that's been very busy this year is the Louisiana Farm Service Agency. We caught up with Craig McCain, State FSA Director at the Sugar Commodity Conference here at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention. Well, you know, certainly there's some difficult uh, circumstances in, in agriculture in, in the state and in the country. And so FSA is currently taking acreage reports and there's been some delay because of our planting circumstance with the river flooding, with uh, wet fields, uh, a lot of failed crops uh, across the state that had to be replanted. So our acreage reporting has been uh, delayed significantly and uh, it's created a backload on FSA's county office structure. Uh, we anticipate there will be completed acreage reporting by July 15th and we uh, believe and expect that shortly thereafter we'll begin enrollment uh, of uh, the market facilitation program and we'll see a lot of activity relative to that program. The details are not released but we recognize that the program has been announced and uh, the desire is there to uh, provide uh, support to American farmers uh, during these difficult times. Uh, shortly thereafter, uh, this sometime this fall, uh, we expect uh, the 2019 ARC PLC sign-up to begin, uh, followed by the 2020 ARC PLC sign-up, and then uh, you know, we certainly think we can expect a CRP sign-up in 2020 at some point. And so, when you look at uh, the continuation of uh, work across uh, several months, it's going to be significant. CRP uh, sign up in Louisiana, and we're going to have uh, more expiring acres than we've had in, uh, in several years. Uh, these contracts are going to have to be evaluated under the criterion in the new farm bill. Uh, so uh, there'll be uh, uh, some re-enrollments, there'll be some uh, new enrollments, uh, certainly the economy. Uh, plays an effect in, uh, historically in uh, interest in CRP. And so we just expect a significant amount of, uh, of interest in that program uh, going forward and uh, in that new enrollment. Louisiana Farm Service Agency Director Craig McCain. Getting the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada Trade Agreement, or NAFTA 2.0, ratified would be a huge boon for the U.S. rice industry. That's what Jameson Cruz, Manager of Government Affairs for USA Rice, told the Rice Commodity Conference here in New Orleans. He says we export a great deal of rice both north and south of the border. So the the new NAFTA, NAFTA 2.0, getting that ratified this year is essential. Uh, The Mexican Senate last week uh, took the final step uh, for approval. So Mexico has officially passed USMCA. Uh, Canada stands at the ready uh, to do so as well. Uh, but we need some action by Congress uh, to go ahead and, and get the agreement passed. Uh, Canada and Mexico are number one in foreign markets, uh, so it's very important that we uh, get some uh, uh, stability uh, there. Uh, we need those markets immensely. They account for 30 percent uh, of U.S. rice exports. And Cruz says the U.S. rice industry still has high hopes for exporting rice to China. Rice exports to China Uh, We were this past uh, spring uh, officially approved, so it's now legal uh, for 32 U.S. rice mills to export to China. Uh, However, uh, China being China, uh, continues to put roadblocks in the way with regards to uh, export inspections and specific regulations. Uh, So we're seeing some difficulty there. Uh, We've not yet sold rice to China. Uh, However, this has been a 20-year process. Uh, So we're still working to to get uh, into that market Uh, They can eat our entire uh, year's production in 14 days. Uh, So even a tiny glimmer uh, of getting into the Chinese uh, rice market uh, would be huge for the U.S. 
The Rapids Parish Farm Bureau is the best farm bureau in the state. For the third year in a row, the Rapids Parish Farm Bureau was awarded the President's Trophy, given to the best parish farm bureau in Louisiana. Rapids Parish Farm Bureau President Bill Cheek. In order to be able to win this trophy, you have to have a a lot of help from all of your board and a lot of people, even outside of your board. Uh, You have uh, certain things that you need to accomplish, and it takes certain uh, people in certain organizations to be able to do that, such as uh, young farmer and ranchers. Uh, You need someone ag in the classroom. So there's several things that just have to come together. All of the pieces have to fit. There's not really any secret to it. It's just getting down and doing the work. Another big contest here at the Farm Bureau Convention is the Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award. And this year, first-generation farmers Adam and Megan Cahern of Caddo Parish were named the top young farmers in Louisiana. We caught up with the couple right after they won the award Thursday night. Well, we're still kind of in shock at the moment. Um, you know, we got up there and accepted the award, and, and I don't think it's still quite sunk in yet. Uh, everybody that was on that stage was all equally deserving, so uh, we're really happy to, to have the award for sure. So, Megan, have you picked out your vehicle yet? No, sir, not yet. I think I'm going to let Adam do the picking on that one. Oh, now we know how this works, don't we, Adam? I just hope she don't come home with a minivan. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your operation, guys. Uh, Adam, I know that uh, that you are active in a lot of different aspects of agriculture. Tell our listeners a little bit about your operation, about precision baling. What is it all about? What do you guys do? Well, we started out in 2008 as a commercial hay operation. We do currently around thirty to 40,000 small square bales a year. We ship those out to feed stores, training stables, co-ops large order buyers and uh, it's kind of evolved from there we had some uh, we had some opportunities to start doing some commercial spraying back around 2012 and so we started doing that and now we do 20 25,000 acres of row crop spraying a year and haul cotton ship grain uh, just a little bit of everything anything we can do to make our operation a little bit more diverse we we try to follow it well, tell me about the background of the operation. How did it get started? I know it wasn't exactly your typical dad handing the farm down to son type of transition. How did things get started for you? Well, that's kind of a funny story. I come from a long line of railroaders. My great-grandfather was a railroader. My, my grandfather was. My dad was. And I became a farmer. And uh, my grandfather growing up, he had a little side hobby of do, taking care of some cattle whenever he w- got off work in the afternoons. And as a young kid, I loved going out, seeing the cows, uh, helping with the hay equipment and things like that. And it just kind of evolved. Through high school, I did some bailing for other people. And after college, I had the opportunity to uh, buy out a doctor's operation there. And it just kind of grew. I, I took what he had and merged it with what I was already doing and uh, and that's kind of where we are today. Well of course you guys are very active in Farm Bureau. Megan tell me a little bit about how you got involved in Farm Bureau and what you guys get out of it. Well I think it was about what it was it 2016-2017 we were invited to come down for a leadership conference and we got down there and we were just amazed at the um, opportunities that we were being you know uh, discussed We were able to network with a bunch of people we had never met, several people all over the state, and we said this is something we definitely want to be a part of. And so um, we continued showing up to events, and the more we we went, the more we saw, the more we got involved, and from me being ag in the classroom chair to him becoming parish chair, and it just kind of grew from there. And so we've really enjoyed the opportunities that we've had to – meet with people from all over the state you know it's really not only helped in our operation but just you know given us a shoulder to lean on in the good times and the bad so it's a really awesome experience. Adam how has Farm Bureau helped your farming operation? The networking tool has been the greatest thing that we've had. I can talk to anybody across this entire state. If I need to find out about a particular market in a certain area of the state, I can call anybody up and find out about it. Um, they've they've really helped us um, be able to make more connections in our own business, being able to help us expand into other areas that I may not have the knowledge of, but somebody else out there might be able to help me out with. So it's really helped me to grow a lot and it just really opens a lot of doors that I don't believe we would have had otherwise. Adam and Megan Cawhern of Caddo Parish winners of the 2019 Young Farmer and Rancher Achievement Award. Another very special award winner that I want to bring to you this week 
is the Louisiana Farm Bureau's Radio Station of the Year. Of course, I've been involved in Louisiana Farm Radio for well over 20 years, and one of the very first radio stations that put me on the air was KWCL-FM 96.7 in Oak Grove, Louisiana, way up in West Carroll Parish. Irene and Ivy Robinson have owned and operated that station for many, many years. Of course, we lost Mr. Ivy here this past year. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but Miss Irene is still with us and doing a great job at KWCL. And I was very happy to see the KWCL won the Louisiana Farm Bureau's Radio Station of the Year this year. Miss Irene was here in New Orleans to receive the award, and she spoke with Don Molino. KWCL won the radio station of the year from the Farm Bureau. That's, that's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Oh, it's extremely exciting and, and honorable. We're, we're so proud that we were chosen out of all the radio stations in the state. Means a lot because we do a lot, and sometimes people forget, you know, how much we work. And thanks to working with Farm Bureau, uh, we were able to offer our farmers programming that they need and appreciate us sharing with them. And programs like that you offer, Don, we, we appreciate you a lot. Well, KWCL has been in business, what, now, over 50 years? Yeah, oh yeah, we went in business in 1958. We joined uh, up with Farm Bureau and Louisiana Radio Network about 30 years ago roughly 25 to 30 years ago uh, Ivy my husband and I of course he owned it at the time I just was the wife but now I own it so I just wish he were here to see this because he would be really honored you put a lot of work into the programming especially the farm programming you do every day that's that means a lot to the the community of northeast Louisiana doesn't it oh they say it does I mean we, we give them the weather every day we tell them the, the uh, prices we tell them and we have you and Carrie and others on the air that talk about farming issues as well as local people that talk about our, our 4-H people talk about 4-H and yeah we just that's what we do we're in a farming we're an agricultural community Irene Robinson owner and station manager of a great Louisiana radio station KWCL FM 96.7 in Oak Grove Louisiana that is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture right here from New Orleans at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation's 97th Annual Convention. Coming up next, it's time for Grassroots Government. We'll check in with State Senator Brett Allen. Brett is, of course, a state senator and a member of the legislature. He's also a sugarcane farmer here in Louisiana. So we'll check in with Brett to see what's happening from the legislative standpoint as well as how things are going back home on his sugarcane farm. Grassroots Government is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. As the old saying goes, close only counts in horseshoes. So why take the chance with weather information when it comes to critical decisions with your fields? It's time to experience pinpoint field-level forecasts that are 40% more accurate than the competition. Experience the DTN Ag Weather Station. With this level of information, you'll know exactly what's happening at any time in your actual fields. This allows you to plant, spray, and harvest with a new degree of precision. Head to DTN.com today to learn more. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest on Grassroots Government is Brett Allen. He is a state senator and a sugarcane farmer. First, Brett, let's talk about the session that we recently concluded. We actually got away with just one session this year. That had to have been a good feeling. It was a very good feeling, uh, particularly the contentious three and four sessions we've had over the last couple of years. But I, I think uh, it being an election year, everybody wanted to, to get our work done and go home. How do you feel that agriculture came out in this session? I know we had a lot of agricultural bills. Do you feel like it was a success for agriculture? I do. Uh, first of all, in the budget, I, I'm uh, vice chair of Senate Finance, and we were able to uh, recognize the, the, the shortfalls in uh, agricultural funding over the past couple of years, and we were able, actually able to increase funding for agriculture in this state, uh, particularly uh, higher education. 
I know that you had a bill that you spoke about here at the Farm Bureau Convention, the right to repair bill. Uh, we ended up not needing that bill, you said. Tell me how that process went and what came out of it. Okay, so, you know, one of the, one of the big problems we have today is with all the technology built into the tractors, we, uh, the tractors will actually shut down, and we don't know what's wrong with them. We don't have the tools we're never made available to, to diagnostic equipment. They're only available to the technician per the way the manufacturers have set this up. We've been repairing tractors in the state for 100 years. And for us now not to be able to have the ability to repair our own equipment, I thought was wrong. 32 other states have agreed. They've all uh, tried to do legislation. The manufacturers came and sat with us and said, we don't think you need legislation because this is what we're willing to do. We're willing to give you the diagnostic equipment to be able to repair your own equipment at a very reasonable charge. A very, and, and that being said, uh, we took them up on that. Not only that, we, we pointed out the shortfall of them having the technical training only being available to uh, their own employee, or employees of the, of the dealerships. They said they were not only willing to, to help us with the repair portion, but any educational uh, information that we wanted, they would make free available to us, to any instructors or professors in the higher education, so we could train our own people. It's been a great partnership in working with these guys, and to their credit, I think this is going to move education in Louisiana agriculture forward by leaps and bounds. So I guess the result of this eventually will be that we will have a training mechanism in place where we can train people, farmers or our young people, whoever want to, to work on this equipment. Is that the goal? Well, not only the equipment, but uh, and that's the first goal. The dealers are looking for more technicians to be able to work uh, at the dealerships to help repair this equipment. But on top of that, they also make equipment and training for all the precision agriculture that we do today. Precision land grading, precision fertilizing, precision planting. All of the things that their technology wasn't really available to us except through the dealers. Now we're going to have the technology available through our higher education system, uh, which will make it available to those that want to stay and work on the farm creating opportunities not only in in the dealerships, not only on the farm itself, but for uh, the uh, uh, people who sell fertilizer and seed and, and every other manner of agriculture will benefit from this. Brad, as we mentioned, you are a sugarcane farmer. What kind of challenges have you faced on your farm with all of this water this year? It's been tremendous. I mean, it started raining last July during our uh, sugarcane planting season. We had one of the wettest harvests that we've ever seen. All the fields were torn up. We spent the entire spring trying to get it together. Could prepare no. Our, our main is sugarcane. We usually plant some uh, wheat and soybeans. We weren't able to prepare any land for wheat and soybeans. Uh, but we, we went back to our, our basic crop, got everything fertilized, uh, got the fields in good shape, uh, and look forward to hopefully a very dry harvest this year. How is the crop looking right now as we stand? The, the crop looks a little, uh, a little worse than it did last year at this time, but, um, but that's mainly because of all the damage that we had and the alert, late fertilizing that we did. But uh, look, if the good Lord smiles on us, uh, we, we'll, we'll have a decent crop. This is an election year, as you mentioned, you are a farmer who decided to step up and run for office and get involved in politics. How important do you feel that it is for farmers and agribusiness professionals to step up and do as you did, get involved in the process and, and be at the table? I think it's hugely important. You know, before I got there, agriculture had little, very little voice in the process. Uh, you know, we need to not only, if, if, there are only a few individuals that have the time and the effort to be able to actually go to Baton Rouge and the time it takes to be an elected official. But everybody out there can support good people that will support agriculture to go to Baton Rouge and do this. But anyone who wants to should be involved. Look, I'll go back to my daddy who told me many times, to those that much is given, much is expected. I think it's in the Bible. 
uh, this was my way of giving back. This is something I was passionate about doing because I saw there was a need for agriculture's voice to be in the legislature to, to promote not only agriculture but funding for higher edu- education in the Ag Center, and I think I've done that. State Senator and Louisiana sugarcane farmer Brett Alan. We'll be back with more from the 97th Annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation Convention in New Orleans right after this on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811, brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We go in the field to visit with Ben Guthrie of Tensaw Parish. Ben, tell our listeners a little about your farm back there in Tensaw Parish. Uh, well, we're farming uh, corn, cotton, um, and, and some soybeans. And, um, you know, we got off uh, to a rough start this year and uh, a little too much rain at first, and then it got a little dry, and we had to irrigate some corn. Uh, we had to fly some urea on corn for a little supplemental nitrogen. But now we got a big rain last week, and everything looks good. It really couldn't look any better right now, uh, considering how we started, how we ended the year last year and started, the, started this year. How many years have you been farming, Ben? Uh, this is my 17th crop, so I, so I graduated LSU in 2002, and I've been back on the farm ever since. In your 17 years, have you had a year like you've had here this past year? Absolutely not. This has been, this has been uh, we've had to employ backup plans to our backup plans uh, this year. It's never, we, I've, I've, I've never seen anything like it, and even people who've been doing this a lot longer than I have have, have, have truly never seen anything like, uh, like the hand we were dealt this spring with uh, excessive rain and um, the wet harvest from last year, you know, those sins kind of followed us on through to this year. And um, it's, 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 it's been something. Water has been a problem for everyone, and it comes from a variety of different places. You already mentioned excessive rainfall. You get backwater flooding. Uh, if you're close enough to the river, that can cause you issues. What kind of water issues have you faced? All of those that I mentioned? Most of them. Uh, we don't have much backwater from any other uh smaller rivers but but we do uh we, we have we have a little seep water we're, we're right on the we're right on the mississippi river on one of our farms and we have uh 700 acres that's on the unprotected side so uh that we won't have a crop on that this year um and um you know m- most of it was just too much rain excessive rainfall uh, on corn in particular um early how bad has the seep water been along the river this year with you and your neighbors any idea of uh, maybe uh, a ballpark of how much uh, acreage you feel like has been affected? Not, not too, not too many acres in Tensaw Parish. Some, I mean, uh, you know, some, but we don't have as much as other people do. Up north of us, it's worse. And uh, you get up into East Carroll uh, Parish, and th- that that's where the guys are re- have really been hurt by seep water. Um, but you know, I, I would say on our farm, we, we'd be somewhat less than a hundred acres that's that that's affected um, by, by by seep water. Let's talk about your crops. Um, did you have trouble getting things in the ground this year? Oh yeah, we, we we were late. We were, you know, we were probably three weeks late on most everything. Um, corn, uh, beans, and cotton. Cotton's, uh, um, you know, the corn's made up the difference. With uh, we've had a little heat, a little rain, so it's made up the difference. Uh, cotton's still late. It's going to be a late crop, and that's that's kind of scary. You can get into difficult weather at harvest and you know any, anything can happen from here on out but but it looks good right now well you mentioned earlier that with all the trouble we face this year your crops actually are looking pretty good they are and uh you know i i don't i don't know it's just uh i don't know if it's a testament to the varieties or the weather working out at the right time or or, or really what it is but it's been uh it, it's surprising how how good the crops look with uh with with the difficulty we've had getting every virtually everything done this year 
What about insect pressure so far? I've seen a lot on social media about red-banded stink bugs making a big comeback this year. Uh, Any issues with those or other insects in both corn and cotton and soybeans? Not so far in uh, corn and soybeans yet. We've got some uh, plant bugs creeping around in the cotton that we're going to need to clean up next week. And uh, but 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 we you know we expect the uh, the red bandage to be a problem later on and later on in the year with the warm winter we had so we were just kind of you know we're just we're expecting their, them them to rear their head again. With the abnormally wet conditions that we had faced, uh, is that affecting weed pressure any at all? Oh yeah 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 it's it's, it's affected us I know we just uh, uh, not being able to make timely herbicide applications and get our residuals out as planned. Um, it's 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 we've had uh, more weed pressure and weed competition early, and uh, that's probably that's probably you know hurt us just a little bit. But we, everything's cleaned up now, and I think I think we're mostly on the right track. Ben Guthrie, he farms in Tinsaw Parish. Thanks so much for joining us on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Ben. All right, thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Coming up next, it's time to take a look at the markets. We caught up with Greg Fox of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association here in New Orleans, and we'll get Dave Foster on the phone to talk about the cattle markets. Plus, don't forget, we're going to wrap up the podcast with a new segment from farm broadcaster Jack Dillard. All of that coming up on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. You know your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gives you access to the best insurance on the planet, but it can also save you hundreds when you buy a car. On vacation, your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gets you discounts on hotels and rental cars, and it makes you part of a group that's 143,000 families strong. So go to LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office to become a member. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And to talk about the markets, we visit with Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Greg, looking at the corn and soybean markets, we've had a volatile week, some double-digit gains, some double-digit losses. Things ended up on a lower note here on Friday. What was behind the market trade today? I feel like the trade was just taking a break today. Let's see how the weather plays out and if any planning progress jumps in on over the weekend and they come in Monday and get started again. You kind of tend to see that, especially if you had a really strong week like we've had, that they'll settle down a little bit on a Friday. Well, looking at the government reports that we have coming up, of course, I know everyone is waiting on the crop progress report to come out on Monday. What are we expecting that to show? I think when corn comes out, they're going to show 100% done. I don't think you're really going to see much progress going forward. Uh, I think they feel like that what was in the ground last week and going into this week is pretty much going to be it. Uh, You could potentially see about 80%, maybe 90 on soybeans uh, if some areas had a little bit more dry spell than others. Um, But I think there's still an opportunity to get beans planted, um, so I don't think they're going to call the dogs off on beans just yet. USDA releasing some acreage and supply and demand numbers next week. What's the trade expecting there? Uh, It's tough to say. You just really never know what USDA is going to put down on paper. But I think the trade feels like that we're going to fall short about 7 million on corn, 7 million acres on corn, and anywhere from 20 million on soybeans. So, uh, you know, that's the numbers that we I think we really need to pay attention to because if we fall short that much, that's really going to upset the balance sheets, and they're going to have to sit down and rework that stuff. Again, that's going to be beneficial for us to get these prices to either get better or really to kind of hold it where we're at right now. Greg, you and I are both here at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention in New Orleans. Lots of farmers here today. I've talked with several of them. I know you have as well. What's some of the feedback you're hearing about how things are looking out in the country right now? Overall, pretty good. You know, locally, you know, they're overall happy with what they have. You know, the corn looks good. You know, some guys got hit with some wind uh, and a little bit of rain, and so it kind of messed up some of what they had. It laid some of it down. Um, beans is kind of mixed. You know, some of it looks great, other it doesn't. Uh, but there's still a little bit of time for the bean crop to get some more rain and some sunshine, a little fertilizer on it, and get it perked up a little bit. But overall, I think they're happy with what they have so far. 
Well, Greg, from a marketing standpoint, with the price levels we're looking at right now, this has to be a good opportunity. Definitely. If you haven't had anything booked yet and you're just waiting for that good stand or that crop to get up, uh, you need to start looking at some of these 930 soybean prices, 940s, and definitely on the corn side. If you hadn't booked anything, 450 is a great place to get jumped in. Uh, and if you've already booked quite a bit, then now might, now might be a good time to wait and see what these markets are going to do. You might be able to, to catch a few bushels on the higher end if we do see a big rally on that corn. Greg Fox with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. As always, Greg, thanks for the insight, my friend. No problem. Thank you, sir. Now let's move over and talk about the cattle markets. We've got a regular market analyst with us on the phone, Dave Foster with Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Well, Dave, I've got you on the phone. I thought I'd run into you down here in New Orleans. I hate you couldn't make it. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed it. I surely hate to miss that event, but uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll find out what I will find out what took place in the, at the Livestock Commodity Group, and, and then we can go from there. Well, Dave, let's talk about these cattle markets, if we will. I know that I have been looking at the latest Louisiana Livestock Auction reports. You can definitely see a lower trend in the market over the last couple of weeks, and I think that's tied back to something you and I talked about last time. This jump in the corn market has really put a beating on feeder cattle prices. Yeah, no doubt, and and it's uh, it's it's another. I don't want to say. I'm going to say it. Uh, it's to me, it's just another ploy of how those uh, those futures markets work. And um, as as again, we don't know. We we can just read the statistics as far as how much corn is being planted, how far behind we are, whatever. But I'm wondering, Kerry. If they ever stop to figure about the last couple of years, uh, if memory serves me right, last year uh, it it wasn't a quote quote record crop in the corn harvest, but it was but it was close. And the year before it was a record crop. So you know, somebody uh, one thing about it, grain unlike cattle, you can store grain and and you can store it from year to year and and uh, a couple of years or whatever. So. Uh, again, we'll probably have corn enough to feed, but just because of, uh, of these statistics and the weather and all that sort of stuff, it makes it nice for those hedge funds guys to get in and make that market move. And when they make that market move, uh, that's when up or down, uh, that that's when, uh, when they realize their, their profits at the expense of the cattle business where, you know, we're here, we're looking in, and when I say Louisiana, um, you know, our, our fall, fall born calves start coming to market in June and July. And, and, uh, we usually have a little uptick in the market about that time because, uh, these grazers are looking for our kind of calves or lighter weight calves to, to finish out a, a summer grazing deal. And it works, it works really lovely. And about that same time, also, we've got, uh, these cattle moving out of the places like the Flint Hills, uh, and so they they'll they'll put these cattle right behind those those cattle coming out of the Flint Hills where the grass is really good and they just really perform, and and again not so this year. So yes, uh, the market's a little bit draggy uh, about this time, and and so uh, it'll be interesting how all of this fits in. Well, Dave, not only have we seen the grain prices put pressure on the feeder cattle market, we've seen them knock back these fed cattle prices as well. You know, three weeks ago or such, they're around a buck seventeen, a buck twenty, and now they're down to a dollar ten this week. And and those packers, uh, the last I figured that they were making somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars a head. Uh, when you multiply that figure times six thousand a day that each plant in the big plants kill, uh, that's a pretty substantial deal. So. Um, we're sitting here at the bottom of the ladder, so to speak, in cow-calf sector, and we've got our feeder cattle, uh, our calves ready to sell, and nobody's really buying. However, there may be a little glimmer uh, of, uh, of hope or light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I saw where some they had three loads of steers on the on the Superior video for September delivery at, at 675 pounds, steers at 137. 750 pound steers at 130 and 775 pound steers at 124. These are all for 
September delivery. Uh, now, going back and using the Superior deal back in April when you and I talked about that uh, sale they had up in Natchitoches uh, for, uh, again, for June, July uh, delivery of a lot of cattle that were sold in April for this month, those cattle carry are somewhere between, oh, anywhere from 20 to $25 a hundred uh, higher than they than they are selling for right now. So those folks that contracted early, uh, they took took advantage of the marketplace and uh, and and they uh, they're uh, they're coming out a winner. Well, Dave, we had a cattle on feed report released Friday afternoon. How did those numbers come out? In the June first cattle. Uh, inventory showed a 2% uh, increase in the number of cattle uh, on feed, and the marketings were up a percent, and placements were down 3%. So that that's a positive thing. And, and again, much like last month, uh, the June 1 uh, feed number of cattle on feed was, uh, was again, the largest for June that uh, since the report started in 1996. So here we are now. We're, we're, we're certainly coming out of the feedlot. We're into a lot of our calf feds are coming out now. Uh, we, we're, the feeders are extremely current, so they're, they're moving the cattle out. Uh, it's just that that packer control, going back to four major packers killing about 85 or 6% of all the cattle that go to the market, um, they got control of that deal. And so what is happening, they're able to move this market down and, um, and, and, you know, we're, we're kind of like a captive audience, if you will. That's Dave Foster. He's CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Well, coming up, we're going to wrap up our podcast with a brand new segment. We'll check in with Jack Dillard and get his thoughts on what's happening in Louisiana agriculture. Jack Dillard is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground, creates energy, and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana sugar, making life sweeter naturally. Now to wrap up episode 33 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, here's farm broadcaster and columnist Jack Dillard from the Arklatex. Well, here we are, nearly ready for the 4th of July, and some crops in the Arklatex are yet to be planted. This is Jack Dillard. You know, I can't think of a farmer in the Leaf River Valley and all the way over to Mississippi that is really ready for this year. I have seen more crops underwater than I have since I came to this area in 1959. I don't know of anybody who was ready for rain, rain, rain. And it's still coming. Some North Louisiana cotton and corn is yet to be planted, and it may not be. Now, corn plantations are just looking great. Can't get in to harvest them. The trees uh, are stacking up. But we'll be all right there, and that tree will hold up. Our vegetable gardens are late this year. Farmers markets have plenty of customers just needing more proteins. Our area auction barns are running full. Our cattlemen are scratching their heads. I don't know how many cattlemen are going to change 
Christians. We had quite a few folks here in the North Louisiana area that had gone the background in cattle. Now the background in cattle are stacking up. But we all must remember one thing. God has total charge of the weather, and we can with his help. Going to have a big option this coming Saturday. That's the Taylor Wheel right across the Louisiana-Texas line in the Greenwood area. Tucker Farm, 144 acres. Excellent equipment. Everything will sell at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, June the 29th. Our philosophy comes from Jake Paul which he said, age doesn't matter unless you're cheese. This is Jack Dillard and the Architects. And that will do it for Episode 33 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast from the 97th Annual Convention of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation here in New Orleans. Until next time, be sure to keep up with us online. You can first check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com, or use the short version, voiceoflaag.com. We update that every weekday with all the latest news and happenings in Louisiana agriculture. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. There is a button right in the middle of the homepage on that website, Fill out your name and email address, and we'll send you the Daily Voice every weekday morning at 5 a.m. You can also keep up with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LAAG. We'll see you next time right here on The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. Thanks for listening to The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.